I mean, can I can I just say it's bloody great to be back? Of course you can. Welcome back to Beyond the A and C, uh, the keen podcast that will one day hug each of its listeners individually and personally. On today's comeback special, we'll be stripping it back to the basics, Elvis style. In good old-fashioned tradition, we've got a classic roundup of the news, Chris and Andrew style, plus our thoughts on the band's staggeringly good Island Life show in the heart of Shepherd's Bush, London's best borough, I'll have you know. Hmm. So, for the first time in more than three months, it's time to go beyond the Iron Sea. Tom Chaplin is one of less than a dozen people in the UK who can tell the difference between butter and I can't believe it's not butter. Beyond the We've been away for so long, I think we should probably pick through some of the highlights of the past three months. Um, we're just going to run through them really quickly, and this, this isn't a definitive guide to what's been going on. Instead, more of a, more of a highlights reel. Yep, so this is what Keane did this spring. Bong. Tom auctioned his gold Christian Dior tour jacket to raise money for Rwanda Aid, a charity with which his family has some really strong links. Now, incredibly, although it was just a jacket, it sold for more than £6,000, and it was bought, like many British icons, by a foreign consortium. As we understand it, the victorious German women are planning to take a holiday with the jacket in Sussex later in the summer. Are you making this up? No, no, really. I, you know, I, I could make up something that amusing. Oh, yeah, I suppose I know that. Bong. Tom's mini-documentary about the band's trip to LA last year is now complete, and all four parts are on the website for your delectation. Highlights include Tom doing impressions of Neil Tennant from the Pet Shop Boys and Paul McCartney, and the recording of a new radio version of You Haven't Told Me Anything. We do like the sound of that version, but we do get the impression that Tim hates tampering with John Bryan's only contribution to the album, which may explain why it's yet to see the light of day. Bong. Take a listen to this. Well, you say Um, that is Tao Tao Cruz's cover of Everybody's Changing, which I think in the pantheon of covers is amongst the most overblown ever recorded. You can find that overwrought nonsense on new compilation Island 50, celebrating five decades of Keane's record label. You can also hear a proper studio version of Keane's cover of Pulp's Disco 2000, plus there's yet another chance to own somewhere any we know, just in case you've lost your other dozen CDs with it on. And it's in all good record stores now. But don't despair, as I assume HMV and the supermarkets will be stocking it too. Bong. Keen have agreed to return to play Ibiza Rocks on July 14th. The band were due to play there in August 2006, but it had to be cancelled due to Tom's period of drug and alcohol rehabilitation. Now, having got them out of his system, the band are ready to go. So they're off to the notoriously clean-living island this summer. Tickets for that are on sale now. Bong. Colin Davis is bloody scary, isn't he? Bong. The exclusive live digital album that many, many fans pre-ordered and paid for months ago is still yet to materialise. We don't know what the story is here. Um, I know that it's tied up in the fact that the suppliers collapsed a few months ago. Uh, that was Trinity Street. But to be perfectly honest, it's nothing short of an absolute scandal that the issue has not yet been properly addressed by the official website. Bong. There's too many gigs been announced lately for us to mention all of them, so here is a lightning quick rundown of some of the countries the band will be visiting over the summer. 
On your marks four. Norway. Dubai. Sweden. Dubai. Albion. Dubai. Lebanon. Dubai. Russia. Dubai. Japan. Dubai. Bong. Keane did not appear on the official lineup for Glass for Me 2009. Dubai. Actually, no, hang on a second. Surely you just mean to say that Keane are not playing at Glastonbury 2009, don't you? Bong. The band have been in the studio with Somali rapper Kiernan, the rapper whose name is coincidentally also what Chris says when I ask him if he wants me to order him something to go with his bulty. They worked on three to four tracks according to blog updates from both parties, but there is currently no information about what will happen to them. Bong. Richard did a spot of drumming for Keane's work experience boy Jesse Quinn when he reconvened his band The Mets a short while ago. Now, we would have reported this at the time, but we didn't. Um, I think there was a guy from Noah and the Whale involved too. Um, I don't know, because I wasn't there. Great news item, mate. Good effort. Fuck you. It was on YouTube. The whole gig was on YouTube. Shut up. Bong. And that was the news. True Facts. Richard Hughes is a bit of a legend, really. Beyond the So, Saturday was the Island Life Show in West London. We had a great time, didn't we? Awesome time. It was fantastic. Um, Any time that King comes to my neighbourhood, they just pull it right out of the bag. Um, a great performance, that is. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot we, of people um, have been saying this is their best London gig in pretty much five years, isn't it? And with good reason. Um, Chris and I were both at the show. Always like a bit, bit of a reunion, really. Um, I was right down the front and Chris was sort of... Where, whereabouts were you? I was right at the very top, taking it all in. Up in the, the gods. Big, looking at the bigger picture. Um, I, th- I think it's fair to speak for both of us and say we had an absolute blast. Yeah. To be honest, the, some of the band's London shows in the past have had a really subdued, kind of negative atmosphere. And it was such a refreshing thing for for it to be such a, a, a nice, cuddly experience. It's quite ironic, isn't it, for an industry gig, celebrating a, an industry thing, that it was uh, not an industry at all. No, no one standing at the back with their arms folded, I don't think. Yeah, exactly. No talking at the bar. It was just a straight-up, flat-out masterclass. Rock and roll set piece, yes. Um, what was it, then, that made it so good, Chris? Well, in a nutshell, I think it was, you know, the band just romping through just a complete greatest hit set. And there mm. was, they didn't have, you know, a lot of time to sort of throw in some acoustic numbers or things like that because it was very much, you know, wanting to fit in a decent set from Ladyhawk and the legends that are Tom Tom Club. Fantastic. Tom, quite, I, I lo- quite, quite a lot of people were surprised that, you know, they were supporting Keane. Rather than the other way around. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, um, I mean, long sets from the, the two support bands, and I think mm-hmm. it was only about 75, 80 minutes that Keane had, which... Something like that, but they definitely made the most of it. Yeah, so. definitely. Um, as a result, I think the, the, the set list was lean and mean, that's the way I'd describe it. Yeah. Um, the acoustic section, which, you know, you, you rightly pointed out, can be a bit sort of flabby, and, you know, it can kind of... It's all like a bit of a trough. I know it's meant to, you know, I mean, people are meant to sort of cool down right. in that, but that was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the atmosphere and passion killers, like um, I know some people like it, but a bad dream. Mm-hmm. I find again that can that does really like kill the set. It's like a brick wall in terms right, okay. of in terms of the band playing. It it just felt like the greatest greatest hit set they could do. Yeah, I mean, I came out of it thinking there were so many people I wanted to take to that gig. People who said Keen are boring, or you know they dull or you know they don't get people going and that you know i think that would have really blown them out of the water i don't know if you saw it but there were quite a few people walking around with um video cameras and and mounted on the top of the uh the video cameras that point at the stage mounted from the um 
for yeah. the first tier. Um, I believe that it is going to be, or highlights from these shows are going to be on Channel 4 in the UK in a few weeks' time. Good news. Well, I hope some of the atmosphere rubs off on that and you Definitely. people can see that. I that, would, was, that was a fantastic show, wasn't I'd it? I'd go so far as to say that if there is a full recording of this show, the band have got to make some use of it because they're not going to record a better show than that one. Yeah. Even if they weren't planning to do anything with it. And almost accidental, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and quite surprising, considering they'd only been back from America for, for a few... Yeah, like th- 36 <laughs> hours or something between two gigs, between New York and London. Ridiculous. Um, I think focusing on like the, the surprises, perfect encore, perfect encore for me, because yeah. um, I always say, I was saying to you before, that the best way to approach an encore... Let's say you've got three songs for an encore. First one, something unfamiliar or new or uh, an album track or something. Mm-hmm. Second song, play your big hit or a, a big cover that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Something so that everyone's back involved again. Mm-hmm. And the final big closer. Yeah. Perfection this time, exactly what they did. My Shadow for the first time in, in England. Yeah. Then uh, Under Pressure, big uh, Queen and Bowie cover. And then Bed Shape to Finish. Absolutely perfect. That storming way to send everyone home happy. And they're all fan favourites, aren't they? All things that, you know, hardcore fan fans want to hear. It's not just, you know, oh, we saved our big hits to the, to, for the end. Exactly. You know, they could have they could have gone off stage after... The best encores are ones where they could have gone off stage after the end of the main set and not gone back on. They could be sit backstage smoking cigars. You know, an encore has to be songs that are basically a little bit extra. Yeah. And in that respect, this was perfect. Just, just that extra to push it over the edge. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I know we, I, I hate doing marks of, out of ten. I'd certainly give that. I'd give that a nine. How about you? Yeah, an an, an eight or a nine. Um, the only thing I could think of really is uh, I would have preferred their island cover of uh, Disco Two Thousand. Yeah, uh, to be in there maybe instead of Under Pressure, um, and maybe just uh, one or two more things from the Hopes and Fears catalogue because it, it's it's the reason why they are there. Absolutely, yeah. Island have sort of picked their top fifty albums in for the last fifty years, and Two Thousand and Four's choice was Hopes and Fears, mm. um, which I I think they probably you know. Should have perhaps made a bit more of that. If they throw a bend, in, bend and break in there, that would have really got people yeah. on their on their feet even more. I think. So uh, and maybe I was saying, you know, maybe kind of a rock version of Untitled One or something, you know, because that's never been played live, as far as I'm aware. That, that would have brought the house down amongst some of the real, real hardcore yeah, fans yeah, yeah, if that yeah. had been in there instead of My Shadow, maybe. But, but I mean, this is you know just fan fantasy, really. Yeah, and this is in, in terms of reality. That was you know one of the best shows they could possibly have played. This is you know like the I don't know the Keen equivalent of you know what would it be like if Kaká, Messi, and Ronaldo were playing in the same side or something. Like, but you know I can't really fault it realistically, can you? Sort of a wet dream. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> very good. Um, Thank you. Let's not get too preapic here. Um, anyway, beyond the set list, um, let's talk about the crowd. Um, as we said before, you know, often London gigs are bad tempered or subdued or a quiet crowd of day trippers. Not this time, by any means whatsoever. Um, just thinking about, you know, some of the. Some of the breaks between songs, for example. Yeah, they, got, they were interrupted by people chanting Kino and, and you know, various other things. So, you know, the, the applause would start up between the songs, then it would start dying down, and then cheers would start up, and it would start up again. It, it felt so, so properly organic. Yeah. 
Um, Definitely, yeah. And and that's the great thing about that venue. It is a small, intimate venue. It's the perfect size for me for a, for a gig. I, I just love that place. Yeah, I mean, for a long time, uh, we've both been... I think we've said on the podcast, we've got this on record... Um, we said that we'd like to see them play at Shepherd's Bush Empire mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, firstly, iconic venue. Yeah. But secondly, it was a venue that they, they were meant to play there. Um, they, they only evaded it because they were too successful. Really? When was that? Well, back in, back in 2004, when the tour to, you know, round up hopes and fears in the UK, when that was being booked, they had three nights planned at Shepherd's Bush Empire. But the album kept selling and the band kept, grow, you know, growing in popularity. And those gigs were moved to South London to Brixton. Um, ah. a much larger venue yeah so the band have never played at shepherd's bush empire before mm-hmm. last saturday um and i think we can only hope they play there more regularly if if that's the kind of show we can expect because it was absolutely electric it was wasn't it it was, it was everything i could have possibly wanted <laughs> i wouldn't go so far but there you go um yeah definitely a top night um finally just like a little little you know post script um just sort of good on the band for um one o'clock in the morning off to Holland the next day, um, and yeah, out, out out they trooped to do the you know the rounds of the, the the fans waiting for them outside. Despite like legions of hammered Antipodeans, yeah, legions of drunk South Africans outside the um, outside the venue, where they'd got sort of this bizarre sort of barrier system where on one side all the people who wanted to get things signed by the band, on the other side people pissing behind bins and we did warn about this though didn't we about the venue being next door, door to a rowdy Aus- yeah, australian we, we themed did, nightclub yeah and um <laughs> not, not to touch the walls oh don't don't touch anything um i mean yeah. obviously I'm, I'm local to the area and i i wouldn't sort of hang around there unless i had a damn good reason um but yeah good good on them for coming out and and just sort of a word for you know richard came over and had a bit of a natter um and i i hope you're listening again this time big shout out to richard hitch Richard, Richard H. Of, uh, of North London. I think overall, in hindsight, Ireland are probably happier that Keenan did the week of shows that they had because mm. the last show was meant to be Amy Winehouse the following day. Yeah, it was cancelled. And, yeah, and I, I can't imagine what her performance would have been like, but I don't think it would have been anything like Keen's. Yeah, but just a, a wholly positive experience. And I think realistically, we honestly don't believe, speaking for us both here, we honestly don't believe that the band were going to play a better show this year. Um, definitely in terms of atmosphere and set list it's it surely can't top that um but i think they can probably consider this a challenge top that a study by bristol university's sociology department has concluded that tim still cannot hang with the streets So, that's all for today. Short and sweet to get us back in the swing of things. Hopefully it won't be another three months before our next show. And just um, just before we go, um, I want to say a genuine and heartfelt thanks to everybody who emailed us, asking when we'd be back, telling us they were missing the podcast. Um, a lot of the time when we've been doing the show, it's kind of like shouting into a tunnel and not really knowing if anyone out there can hear you or, or what they're thinking. Um, so I think it's been really humbling for, for both of us. Um, to know that you guys have been waiting for us to bring out the next instalment. And we just hope it was worth the wait, really. Yeah. Um, please keep those emails coming in. Uh, the address is mailbox at beyondtheinc.com. Make them about anything and nothing at the same time. We we love getting them. Yep, and we'll be back soon. So, from both of us here in West London, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>